welcome to the Just Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Desimone, with... Riley Gracie. You should do try to do that voice. That's my broadcasting voice. What's your broadcasting oh, voice? This is my broadcasting voice. <laughs> what is the, what is like a Brazilian, like that's a stereotypical American broadcasting voice. What's, what's like the stereotypical Brazilian broadcasting you know, voice? I'm going to have to like... <laughs> I'm going to have to, like, find, like, a good Brazilian broadcaster and send it to you. Yeah. Do you have, like, certain types in mind? Is there a certain sound that you're thinking? No. No, but I know, like, in pretty much any soccer game in Brazil, you'll get a good broadcaster voice. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure I could look something like that up and well, send it your way. This is episode 73, and it's, it's take two. We attempted yesterday, and... We tried to do it face to face. We did. We we were at your house, and so we said, "Hey, let's just do the podcast right now." And so I had my portable recorder, and I tried it, and the we, we got about I don't know twenty minutes in, and looked down, I looked down at it just to check, and the it said memory card full, which meant that we had been t- it stopped about two minutes in. So there. <laughs> So it was about 18 minutes of just talk. It was it was just lost. Good talk too. I felt like those are the best material we had. I know. Well, yeah. It was it just being face to face and talking again. It it clearly it, it, there is something different. I mean, the Zoom is 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 fun and everything, but actually sitting next to each other and talking, I feel like there's a there's more of an energy to it. Yeah, I think so too. Just this 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 very this very intense sexual tension. Is that, is it right? Is that what you're talking about? Not where I was going with that. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm sorry to let you down. That's okay. Uh, all right. So today's episode is going to be just a, uh, just, just discussion on, we have a listener question. We have some, some other things that I, I just have on the, on the docket for the day. Uh, the first one is last night there was a UFC event and, there was a submission by Maurice Green, and it was it was just it was it was a little bit different to me. It looked well. The position was the I think it was Gian Gianni. I can't remember the guy's name who was submitted. He was on top, and Green is on his back. They are almost almost like belly to belly, and Green got like it looked like it just a head and arm choke almost from from like. Well, facing each other as opposed to usually you see it from someone behind. Um, no, he did a head and basically it was a head and arm setup from from the bottom of, of side mount. Everybody and their mom's gonna be trying that now, and the reality is, at best, that was a combination of things that worked out in his favor. Like he, he you know, the guy he was fighting was obviously tired. You know, they're both breathing heavy you know, going into that match. I mean, they're, they've been fighting. And then, you know, all of a sudden you get this squeeze on your neck and, you know, your face is caught, you know, in your arm and his arm. And it's hard for you to get air in. And, you know, it's harder for your, for, it's choking your clubs neck arteries and it's harder for you to get blood to your head. And and, and there's a, like, like a culmination of things. I think, you know, if both of them were fresh, that choke may have not worked. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least not as fast. Um, I also think that the, you know, fatigue plays a huge role. And yeah, I, to me, technically speaking, could it happen? Sure. 
would it actually happen normally? No. I think this is just a good combination of factors. Why wouldn't that usually happen? What What does a fresh person do to to survive that? Well, first they relax for a moment because they're not, you know, they're not, their adrenaline isn't through the roof. They're not panicking. You know, there isn't all those factors. And, and then from then, I mean, he's on top. So, you know, he can start thinking of how he wants to disarm and, you know, move and all this, and, you know, basically the way the grip was set up, he had literally, he just had a head and arm triangle from the bottom, which means that, you know, if, if the guy on top were to mount and then dismount on the other side, the the grip would break, but that's neither here nor there. The, the mechanism of the head and arm triangle or just say regular, like triangle you do with your legs, the, the, the mechanics of the choke, it's the same thing's happening, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, except you're using, um, except you're using your, you know, you're using your arms for this. And, and like I said, this is like a, the perfect storm. Can it, I've never, head and arm triangles are something I don't usually go for. I think it's because in my head, I, I feel like, you know, I need to have, need to have like be like larger and have larger arms to have enough, enough to encapsulate their arms and their, their neck. Is that something that a small person has to take in consideration? I think it'll be a good choke for you. You know, much like a triangle, if you do it right, the only thing that you're actually squeezing is their neck. You know, most people, they triangle the triangle in the back. When people are doing a head and arm, they have this huge, they're trying to get this huge chunk of body and squeeze it. When in the reality, it should just be their neck and, and their shoulder a little bit. That, that may be one of the things that, I, that I'll sometimes make the mistake on where you have, let's say, and, and on the one side, you got their, their neck, like you said, which you should be, that should be the main part you're focusing on. And then your other arm comes around. Um, and I think I probably get too much of like the shoulder and like that side part of the body in on it, which, which makes it tough to, to like fully like complete that head and arm choke. Yeah, you know, for the head and arm, you don't need, you don't even need like a rear naked grip. You can do it with a gable grip even. Um, it just depends on arm length and, and the opponent side size. I don't know why that po- this popped into my head, but I saw um, a uh, Gordon Ryan I think last week or the week before teased uh, a super fight with someone. I don't know if you saw, and he he was he said like, "You guys won't believe who it is." And as far as I know, they ha- he hasn't said anything yet, but. I saw some people speculating that maybe it'd be Hodger. No, he said something this morning. Oh, really? Just this morning? Yeah, that that person, the the wrestling legend is, um, you know, not not available or couldn't make it work or whatever the case was, and uh, so he's got he's doing another exhibition match with some guy I haven't heard of. Do you think Hodger would? come out of retirement and have a match with him? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that Hajar has anything left to gain or prove. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, Hajar is, I think he's like in his late 30s, if not early 40s now. Um, 
and and you know he's beaten everyone he's won everything he was a dominant force came back out of retirement to beat the the guy who was you know who had taken his position when he left beat him you know what I mean like who who was that what who and who was that Bushesha when he fought Bushesha you know um I mean that's the problem with being like the best in, in a sport, you know, arguably ever is like how many, how many lions do you have to defeat to prove that you're, you're the man, you know what I mean? Like in how long did you set up for? Yeah. Cause there will always be a current title of the best guy out there. And then right. as soon as you beat him, you give, you give someone else a few years to, to build up that title of the best guy around. And they're like, all right, now come, now, now come fight me. Right. So how, how long does he have to do that? You know, and, 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 and like I said, what does he have to prove? He goes out and he beats Gordon. Well, he's supposed to be Gordon. You know what I mean? Like he's Hodger Gracie. And if he goes out there and, and, and he loses, which I don't think he would, but, but if he did, you know, what does that say? Nothing. You know, Hodger is almost twice as old as Gordon is, um, is, hasn't been competing, is in retirement. You know what I mean? Like, like does that just got over corona <laughs> right yeah he had corona too yeah so i mean like what what is there to 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 gain or benefit the legacy of hajar by fighting gordon what do you think a, f- a fight between them would look like and i don't mean necessarily who would win uh but like just when you see those two styles go against each other what do you what, what do you think that would look like um, what, what, i guess what's the difference between their styles also I think Hajar is the more athletic of the two, even though he doesn't look it, doesn't look good. I think he is the, the better athlete. Um, I think, and Gordon has even admitted himself that he's not super athletic at all. Like he, he might be strong, but you know, he doesn't move fast. He's not the most flexible guy. And I think, I think on sheer athleticism, Hajar is, is the superior athlete. Um, now, as far as like, how the match would work out. I think, I think, um, you know, if, if Hajar gets on top, I, I'm not quite sure that Gordon could do much to get out from the bottom. Hajar has always been known for his, you know, pressure, his, you know, n- nobody gets out of the bottom once Hajar gets on top. Mm. And, and I don't know that, I don't know that Gordon could pass you know, Hodger's guard, you know, I think the, the, the way the match might work might be Gordon pulls in hopes of attacking the legs and entering his game and putting Hodger on the defensive, you know, making him scramble and go to the bottom and so on. And I, I think Hodger um, just wouldn't play that game. He wouldn't scramble. He wouldn't expose his legs. You know, plus Hodger is much bigger than 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 Gordon. They might weigh roughly the same. But Hodger's like six five, six six. I mean, he's a huge dude. Hmm. People don't don't quite realize that. If they agreed to fight, do you think they would do it in the gi or no gi? Uh, Gordon would never fight in the gi. And so, do you think Hodger's he's competed most in the gi in the gi? Correct. He's won everything in Nogi too. Yeah, so you think he'd be just as he'd be just I, as I think comfortable it, doing that? I think it'd be easier for him to be competitive with Gordon in Nogi than Gordon to be competitive with him in the Gi. 
Yeah, that that may yeah that, that that's true for sure. Which goes back to my whole point of like you know Hajar is he's won everything gi and no gi for the better part of over a decade. You know what I mean? Like yes, Gordon might be the current best no gi grappler in the world right now, but he's not the best grappler in the world. I mean, like the guy hasn't won anything in the gi, and 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 yeah, I get it that right now it's so competitive on both sides that it's almost impossible to do that. But people in the past did it, so you know it's it's again it doesn't benefit Hajar to come back. All right, moving to the next topic. Uh, this is something that we're seeing a lot of discussion today in mainstream about cops and chokeholds. We're seeing many police departments banning the use of chokeholds and as someone who practices those on a daily basis what 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 do you think about that in in the context of what's happening today Uh, you know answer in two words or less please (laughs) i think that i think it's anything that's mystified is not understood not comprehended gets taken out of context imagine like like cell phones everybody understands that with a cell phone today a smartphone today you can go online and you can search all the information in the world the collective information of humanity is available to you at your cell phone if you time traveled to 30 years ago and you told your grandpa hey this little brick looking thing that i have in my hand has all the information that the planet has currently available and you can access it for free. Your grandpa would say that's witchcraft. So it's one of those things that like, when, when we don't understand things, we, we become, it becomes easier to blame them. It becomes easier to not want to be around it because it's, it may seem scary. It's frightening that we don't know how something works. So, you know, I think that's where, like with chokeholds, you know, people, People see, and again, there's always a, could there be an instance where a chokehold or, you know, uh, gets gets used the wrong way and somebody gets hurt? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's never not going to be the case. It's intended to do damage. But it, it comes down to training. The more training you have, the more understanding you develop over a certain technique or topic where, you know, in your understanding grows it demystifies the 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 subject if you look at like the most recent examples the freddie gray um cop with his knee on the neck of freddie gray who's on the ground when, when you see that and then you understand why people i understand why people who don't know anything about jiu-jitsu or chokeholds would say we need to get rid of these because we've seen multiple people in the news die from some type of choke being applied. When you see something like that, do you say, when you, when you see someone with a knee on that, are you saying to yourself, if this guy had any idea what he was doing, if he knew that if he understood it, you're applying that much pressure for that long, something terrible is going to happen. Like if he knew this, that he, right. would, he would, he would, he would, he, hopefully would stop unless he's some kind of monster. Absolutely. And, and and that's my point is I think like the more training you get over a certain subject that may not be 
understood to you, the better you're going to be at executing those things and understanding and really understanding what's happening. If you take a gun and you say you can't touch this object, this is like people are going to die if you touch this. It's dangerous and it's like only I can touch it. Um, it becomes this almost this mystical thing. What do you want to do? It's like the, the you know, it's, 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 you want to touch it, you want to play with it. Mm-hmm. And because you don't have training, you don't understand, you may take that gun and hit yourself or others. It's no different with any form of combative art, arts, you know, um, chokeholds. You may see it. You may see it on, on TV, but you don't really know how it works, you know? We see guns on the on TV on movies. Doesn't mean we really know how it works. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, I think I think any any I think if we say any high level blue belt, and I mean if we're gonna make it like if I was like God, you know, king of the world, any purple belt or higher for sure has a very thorough understanding of how uh, a, a choke a chokehold works and, and what kind of damage can be done when enough is enough, you know, and then how to use it. And I think that if police officers had enough training, and again, it doesn't have to be jujitsu. Um, I, I am biased, but um, if they had enough training, continuous training, that allowed for further education and further understanding you would see less situations where somebody does something that is completely unnecessary you know mm-hmm. uh, and, and and you know it's just i think i think with more training you'll get better use of out of your tools and out of your you know out of your arsenal really in an example where you have someone's knee on someone's neck is is it something is that specific technique there what's deadly or is it just the length of time that makes that deadly like what what what, in that particular mechanic like what what kind of choke are you seeing there i mean that that's that's all of it you know what i mean like um you know anytime it only takes you know seven pounds per square inch to collapse an artery. Um, you know, if, if you, when you put your weight on, on your knee, you can deliver a whole lot more than that. And when you do something like that and somebody is obviously no longer fighting, no longer, you know, being combative towards you, there's no reason to keep that up. It would be like holding a, a rear naked on you um, after you tap. Mm-hmm. Like it's just unnecessary at that point. Right. So, so you would you think that ideally, rather than get completely get rid of chokeholds, you just you just need to train people to understand what's what's being done when you're using a chokehold and how to properly. I think execute I, one. I think the best solution would be for police officers to have access to really great um, hand-to-hand combat training, which most of them don't. Mm -hmm. Um, Not unless they're doing that at their own personal 
by their own personal means. Um, the reality is most cops, when it comes to hand-to-hand, they have very, very little training, and that's not their fault. That's just the way that the, the system is set up. Um, I think if we had cops that were, I think if we had training, high-quality hand-to-hand training that was readily available, that was continuous and mandatory, that you would see cops misuse force less. Mm-hmm. You know, um, why do we why do we have cops go through like firing range and and learn to fire a weapon? Because if all they have is if you give them the gun, they don't have to fire or they're not accurate with it. The odds of them hurting people will go through the roof. Right. So I think it's the same when it comes to unarmed situations where you need to use a little bit more of the hand to hand control and grappling. The more training available, the better off they, they, they will be and the better and the safer for everyone the situation will be. I know you have cops who will come to you for privates when when you see cops come in, do they usually they're usually asking to go over like similar techniques? What kind of stuff do they ask to see? Um, it's, it's, it depends. Um, you know, first the cops that seek out training, they're not the, they're not, they're the exception. They're not the rule. Okay. The, the reality is, uh, it's very hard for people to admit that they are deficient in an area. So when a police officer comes in and they know that there is a deficiency in their training and they're looking to better themselves, those guys tend to stick and those guys tend to ask the right questions of, okay, how, how should I take somebody down? How should I hold them down? How can I keep them down you know, long enough so I can handcuff them? What's the safest way for me to do it? What's the safest way for them? You know what I mean? Like, what are the things I should be doing? And, and I think those cops are the, the exception. Those are the ones that you see coming in for private classes and things like that. And, and generally speaking, they're always asking the same kinds of questions somebody attacks me, you know, I, I was too close. What do I do? You know, and it comes down to basic things like closing the distance, you know, learning to create a good clinch, to have a very safe takedown, get to the top, how to hold them down, you know, for long enough for either them to burn out and tire out, which most, most people that are out fighting in the streets are, are going to burn their energy very fast to, you know, a situation where, you know, okay, so I've got this guy down, I've controlled him now, how do I handcuff him? You know, there's no help coming, I need to do something by myself. And and we, we show, situ- we have techniques for that. Um, so I think the cops that seek out training right now, extra training right now, are, are cops that you usually don't hear about on the news. Mm-hmm. Not the ones causing trouble. Yeah, there's, there's clearly a... The people who are coming to see you, there's, they, they care enough about their job to come out and try to learn about more to keep themselves and other people safe. Yeah, and, and it's, like I said, I, I wish I wish we could, you know, have a, a, a standardized, high-level, hand-to-hand combat training available nationwide for all the cops, and, and it'd be something that's, you know, continuous and cyclical so that they not only continue to learn, but also continue to review and keep their skills fresh instead of one week a year, 
you go out and you do this training, like one week isn't sufficient. I mean, like that's, that's not anything, two weeks, that's nothing, you know? Well, especially when you think about just in, around the gym, if you have someone who just shows up once a year, you're going to wreck that person every time they show up because you can't learn a, you can't learn and retain yeah, any yeah. valuable information that infrequently. The reality is any, any varsity senior high school wrestler would not be taken down by any cop out there. Right now. You're not your average cop. You know, it would take multiple officers to take a, you know, varsity senior wrestler down and that that's just not acceptable. Have you noticed even t- teaching here on your own and with your dad over the last 20 years, really, have you noticed more uh, the cops, have they, have they come to you for training more less? Has, has it changed at all? Not really. Well, they are more aware that we are, we're here that there's training available you know the media has made it that way i mean the ufc has talks about jiu-jitsu all the time and 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 i think people are aware of it more but it doesn't mean that the mentality has shifted the reality is most cops aren't getting aren't making a lot of money they are in dealing with these high stress situations they're not receiving the best continuous at you know training and education so um to ask them to pay out of their own pocket to train and to add that commitment of an extra several hours a week to a skill set for their job is is tough on the human side you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you're working you know 40 50 hours a week making not a whole lot and you know every time you're at work your life could be in danger you know you don't know if you're coming home tonight and 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 what the situation may be and then you know when you when you leave when you clock out and you go home you're not going home (laughs) you're gonna go and uh go train with other people because you want to be even more prepared and that that kind of commitment and that kind of expectation is really really high and it's really hard to to see it so I think there are more cops training now than ever before, but that doesn't mean it. That doesn't say a whole lot. Sure. All right. We'll transition here to our last, last topic. And then, all right. So I was, I was reading in Gracie mag that Bernardo and uh, tell me, is it Faria? Faria. Bernardo Faria. Uh, he was talking about like the 10,000 hours concept of like practicing and becoming an expert on something mm-hmm. that like Malcolm Gladwell has made popular. Um, and he related it to kind of trying to learn people who will try to learn many different techniques and they'll just be average at them. And then there's that or the option that he said he prefers, which is focusing on like one technique and really trying to get like every aspect of it down. He basically made that argument that that it's better to know to do like one kick a thousand times and know a thousand kicks. Have you, have you heard that? Yeah, it's Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Oh, okay. Um, but where do you fall in with that? Do you, I mean, I, the way that you'll teach, we, we have a lot of different techniques we'll see. Um, I know there are some schools where they'll just focus on like 
arm, like we're going to do arm, like thousand arm bars for, for the week. And we just do that over and over. What, what do you think of between those two schools of thought? So I mean, that's, that's a tough question. I mean, that's the, that's the, the, the two big, you know, um, you know, house of thoughts in, in jiu-jitsu is, do you want to have depth of knowledge or, or breadth of knowledge? You know, do you want to have knowledge about a lot of things or a lot of knowledge about a few things? And, and the reality is I'm a perfectionist, so I expect both. <laughs> um, I don't expect one or the other. Um, so, um, look, we all, we all have, before we talk about learning, just the idea of, of an A game. Okay. So everybody has an A game that push comes to shove. They're going to resort to a set of techniques that they know works for them. And, and they've tried, they've done it a lot. They kind of understand everything about it. The problem is if we live only in our A game, our A game will never grow. So you may be a master at this very specific skill set. Mm-hmm. But if you get somebody who is adequately knowledgeable in a lot of different areas, they might be able, they might be capable <clears throat> of dragging you into fighting them outside of your area of expertise and you will fail. So, um, so that's not good enough to just have a five or six technique, you know, that, that you're really, really good at. I think what it comes down to is, yes, you, we all have an A game, but we should be continuously trying to, in, to grow and increase our A game. So it covers more techniques, it covers more areas. Um, and the, the other side of, of this is, if you learn a thousand techniques early on, you're going to suck at all of them. Mm-hmm. So, so there is that too, right? So the, the best way to go about it is systemize how, how you're learning, which is not very common in jujitsu. Um, I know with, with, uh, you know, the DDS and on her and stuff, the word system has become this fancy hot topic word that, you know, everybody puts it on their, on their videos on their teaching on their, website and all that stuff you know it's just it's the new thing to Mm -hmm. do but the reality is very few very few instructors in the world are actually teaching in a truly systemized way with a curriculum um and i think when you when you have a curriculum in place and you have a system in place and you teach explaining why and not just how uh, students who understand the technique at a much greater depth than they would otherwise. And then it becomes easier to give them both depth and breadth of, of knowledge. You know, so like mm-hmm. when we did lasso at our school, I mean, we did, I think it was like 54 weeks of lasso or something like that. And we did all sorts of techniques from drilling to entries, to attacks, to sweeps, to transitions. And, and we really kind of dove into all that and, 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 you know, everybody got exposed to that. But the, the reality is most of you guys only got 15 to 20 techniques out of that. 
Now, they may they were different 15 to 20 techniques. So, you know, at the time you had just gotten your blue belt, so you might have learned the first 15 techniques of the series because you didn't know the rest. There was no, you had no exposure to this, so it went above your head. But when you look at guys like Claude, who had been there for a while, you know, they may have already learned the first 10 or 15 techniques. So for him, it was more important to learn the latter 20, you know what I mean? Like, and then got to be exposed to that. So, but if I don't have a system and I don't have a curriculum, five years goes by and I don't know what you know about lasso. And when we cycle back through to lasso, maybe you haven't seen it, you don't remember it now and, and it, it becomes lost. So I think a lot of it is has to do also with how competent your instructor is too. That's a very well thought out answer. Which is surprising for me. Usually, you're just usually you don't put a whole lot of thought into those things, especially when it comes to jujitsu. I know. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll call it quits before we do. It's been a while since we visited our our dear friend and sponsor, Cafe Astrology. Oh Jesus Christ! And so here we go with the your Aries horoscope for the day with Mars now in your sign, dear Aries. Channeling its extra energy might not, not always come naturally, but today you are more able to do so constructively. It's a good time for working on physical skills and fitness with the focus on fine-tuning. Mars harmonizes with Saturn today, and you can enjoy feeling organized and together. It also helps you to, rad- to radiate quiet confidence naturally. I thought when today during this discussion, you, you were there was this just quiet confidence that was radiating from you. So that... Oh, yeah. Now in context, I see why. Uh, Okay. Others are very interested in what you do and say. That's a good thing you have a podcast. And they easily respect you for taking the lead for your actions right now. You can be the go-to person when it comes to advice or leadership. While you are quite happy to express your independence, others nevertheless, nevertheless benefit from you. Even so, there can be some feelings of deflation. Oh, are you, are you feeling deflated? No. You know, if I knew better, I'd say this, this, this horoscope's talking out of both sides of its mouth. It's telling you about uh, this, this, this confidence you have, but also some feelings of deflation. If I didn't know better, I'd think that they were trying to just like cover everything. But nah, they, they know what they're yeah. doing. Yeah, they would never do that. They would not. Uh, even so, there may be some feelings of deflation if you do not see eye to eye with someone on a matter that is close to your heart. Keep in mind that a different perspective helps you understand yourself and your life a little better. Sometimes a bit of conflict is necessary before you get to a state of peace, which may be the case today. Namaste, Croyler. I want you to enjoy the rest of your day. Don't be deflated. Be confident. I was confident, but that's okay. Well, have a great week, and we will see everyone later. <laughs>